tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy. Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary. From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah. Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy. I was bugging out all the crazy things he showed me. Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies. Always a good time vibing with the fire tribe. Hey, so wake up, wake up, get it cracking. Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion. Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies. Other dimensions, plenty ancient history. Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up. We about to get into it. I know you can't get enough at home, at work. It don't matter. Turn it up. Rising from the ashes. You know what's up. Hey. Uh, rising from the ashes. Emmanuel Kingman. Emmanuel Kingman. It's UFOs, quote unquote UFOs that we say. Uh, they could be fallen angels because that's exactly what they're, they're wheeled within wheels. Highly energetic for the earth. Highly energetic. Highly energetic. daemon like you said that's also a greek term that means background information so when we're hundreds or even thousands of years down the line it's important that we do give everyone and everything that's written down its full respect and take it as literal if that's what the author is meaning it as but a lot of times these ancient works they aren't written down as metaphorical things to be a mystery school thing because they migrated back because they were the famous so they were in the background but not necessarily in the foreground and once Rome was destroyed in 476 AD, that's when I think uh, approximately 500 AD is when the millennial reign starts. to me is a religion religion is tradition but when we talk about the hebrew people they were the line of god they were directly created by god whereas there were other creations already on earth that were not created by god that there were like when cain is afraid that he's going to be killed when he's cast out of the garden and then all of a sudden he has a wife but it's only supposed to be him that he killed abel and adam and eve you know, obviously there's other things already here. 
So they were creations that were created prior to, and it's called gap theory uh, in Christian um, circles, mm-hmm. uh, that there were already creations here. Uh, that there were already creations here. You're listening to Rising from the Ashes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rising from the Ashes. I'm Dan Unaki Dan, the homie is uh i don't know where the fuck he is now he had to work this morning he got back uh from florida a couple weeks ago or about a week ago then he got sick with some type of poisoning or he just had probably some jet lag so he's was incapacitated for a couple days and then he had to take some time off work and then his work wanted him to work (laughs) so he got stuck working this morning so he's gonna be mia but it's all good because you still got me and we also got emmanuel kingman what up this over darkness podcast how you doing emmanuel i'm doing well shout out to rami hope he's doing better (laughs) yeah 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 he's just been uh he had to go work because he's been incapacitated for the last couple days so and he's been supposed to have been working and he was on vacation also so so he's working but it's all good so today we're going to get into the millennial kingdom of Christ in America, and we have Emmanuel came in here today to help us through that and explain some things. So where do would you like to start, Emmanuel? Well, so I'll ask you where you would like to start, because you're pretty <laughs> into Tartaria. And I mean, there's so much uh, information that, that we could go off of, you know, I have the eight-part series, if anyone listening to this wants to yeah. really dive deep into it. I have an eight-part series that covers many different aspects of it. So I, I've been on a few different podcasts, and I like to go off of what the host already knows rather than uh, just start from a blind spot because I yeah. we could spend an hour and a half on talking about just scripture of what the Millennial Kingdom was, or we could talk about the uh, evidence of this old world civilization that has been there. So what part do you want to tackle first? Yeah. I want to know the basis for the millennial kingdom. Like when does this millennial kingdom start and why? Okay. So in the Bible, in the book of revelation, it talks about, and actually it talks about, there's going to be a, a time of peace where Christ would reign all throughout the Bible, old Testament, as well as revelation. So in Revelation specifically, it talks about six times it mentions that there's going to be a 1,000-year period of peace where Christ reigns over earth and Satan, or the adversary, would be bound into the pit. So when that happens, according to the biblical timeline, it would be after Christ arrived as a human, which would be Jesus, right? So it would happen approximately 500 years after that there's this 5500 year prophecy where jesus would arrive at which he then does from adam then there's the 6000 year prophecy is from approximately like 6000 to uh 7000 or i'm sorry from 5500 to 6500 would be like this thousand year period of peace and then after 7,000 years, all of material creation dissolves and by destruction of fire, apparently. So 
Um, so when I when I think of like the millennial reign of Christ, I think that he's supposed to come back. He he was crucified, he died, and now he's supposed to come back and rebuild the temple, and then that's gonna be the millennial reign. So how right. how does it differ from this idea and from the idea that it already happened? Well, so it that doesn't differ because he did come back and it's actually historians in 66 AD report uh and there's four different historians that report these different things and they're none of them are Christians. These okay. are all Romans or Jews. Uh we're talking Josephus, we're talking Tacitus, and there's two others. I, I forget their names at the moment. But they report that in the skies that there were armies of uh, heavenly beings surrounding cities and that the third temple was destroyed in 66 AD. There's a lot of different things that talk about, but that Jesus returned then and that the uh, New Testament was written very quickly Whereas the Old Testament, there's a lot of, there's hundreds, thousands yeah. of years, and these prophets are living for a long time, even like through all the different aspects of it, they're, they're not as immediate as the New Testament. The New Testament's 29 books, which are, 14 of them are written by Paul, who, uh, he died right around uh, 65 AD, I believe it was. He was uh, martyred. But it's all like within this small time frame that the New Testament uh, really comes from. So there was some kind of immediacy that they needed to get this information out quickly. Okay. So, yeah, it doesn't differ from what you were saying, but most people just don't know that about these historians that they record that Jesus and uh the 10,000 uh the army of 10,000 uh came back and surrounded these cities and took out the principalities so i, I so yeah like i was saying i thought he was when he came back he was supposed to rebuild jerusalem right so so did okay. jerusalem get rebuilt so when we talk about jerusalem we don't know where uh, like we have modern day jerusalem uh, that's not what Jerusalem, that was just created with 70 some years ago, right? That was what, 49 or whatever that, that was created. So mm -hmm. we don't know where Jerusalem actually was, but when we look at all this Tartaria, all world architecture that we always get into the beauty, the magnificence of these cathedrals and star forts and all that. Well, if we're talking about Israel or Jerusalem could be possibly the entire world, because uh, it is God's creation, or the the world as we know it anyway, the earth as we know it, then we could see that, yeah, it was rebuilt, and that it, there was this perfect uh, creation that was going on everywhere with all this possible free energy and all that stuff that goes with that. So that's what I believe, you know, was the thousand years and how we could even get to that. Okay. So do you think the new Jerusalem is in America? Uh, see, that's a, that's a tough thing to discuss because there's so many possibilities. And I think that the way life really works is that there's a fractal nature, that everything is repeating itself on smaller and larger scales. So I believe that there's probably a Jerusalem all over the place that, you know, there's one specific land that it starts at. And 
for the fractal nature for myself and my healing and things that I've been through. You know, it starts with me and then it spirals out from there. And I start helping uh, my immediate family. Then it's, you know, my friends, coworkers, and then it's starting a podcast and so on and so forth. It spirals outward. So I think that there would be a Jerusalem all over the earth. But I think the whole world or the whole earth that we know is Jerusalem, essentially, that it's the entirety of everything is Jerusalem. Okay. So the first year of the millennial reign is 66. So this is where we get, it's very iffy the, the years, but yeah. So according to the mainstream in, in our, narrative, in our it would current be, mainstream. Okay. Right. It would be approximately 66 to 73 AD may have been the seven year tribulation. This may have been that time where all of the disciples were being killed and crucified and upside down, you know, beheaded all the different ways that they were all uh, martyred. Uh, Paul, he wasn't even a disciple, but he was still martyred. All of them, except for uh, John of Patmos, who is the epistle John, who wrote the gospel of John, who's not John the Baptist, two different Johns, but John, who wrote the book of Revelation, wrote the gospel of John. Now he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Or I'm sorry, I said the, the last part backwards the word (laughs) was with god and the word was god and that word is actually logos which is referring to jesus christ so he wrote the book of revelation we're told that came out in 96 a.d that he was banned to the island of patmos but we don't know that to be true you know that's just what the story is being told but at the very end of the book of john peter overhears Jesus talking to John and says something uh, about what's going on. Well, Jesus is saying to John that uh, something to the effect of you're going to live until I come back. And Peter says something. Jesus turns to Peter and goes, what's it to you if I want uh, this disciple to live until I come back? He's the Uh, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's referred to in the Bible uh, several times. Uh, So he says it twice. Like, what's it to you if I want him to stay alive until I return? And according to the mainstream narrative, you know, if he's the last one living in the island of Patmos, 96 AD, well, then he would have been the last one alive when Jesus returned in 70 uh, AD or so. So there's little things like that that really are curious. But the timeline... That is the hardest part because I don't believe at all that we're in 2022. I, I, there's many different reasons and there's things that we can get into. But as far as the thousand year period, I'm not sure that actually started at 70 AD. I think it was kind of a, a winding down that Satan was being bound into the pit when this all started happening. And then you have Constantine and 313 AD all of a sudden flips from paganism to what we know as Catholicism. But there's also this thing where there was these principalities, which are the watchers that were that have reign over certain parts of the earth. I think there were uh, 70 specifically principalities that had reign over 70 different nations that some of them were corrupted. Well, they had to be then switched out. So when we talk about uh, Catholicism, or Christianity has uh, their equals to these pagans that, you know, Peter and Paul are just 
filling in for this person and that person. Well, it was new principalities were put in place. So the old ones were bound up in 66 AD and the new ones then took their stand. And they, so it was like uh, new management, you know, uh, we're, we're taking out the, the corrupted principalities and we're putting in new ones. So when Constantine is visited by Jesus in 313 and then switches everything, well, that's for a reason. And we as conspiracy theorists or people of today with our modern day thinking, we're like, oh, they just took that person and put it here. But it's actually, no, there was an actual energy, an energetic being that had dominion over this place and God switched them out. So then Constantine switched them out. Mm -hmm. And what we have now is this version of understanding that's maybe not exactly what was going on at that time. But I think it was, to answer your question in a long-winded sense, I think it was uh, a period of time before the thousand years. I think it was called the church age in the Bible, that people were preaching the word of Christ, going all around the world, preaching the word of Christ for a few hundred years or so prior to the destruction of Rome. And once Rome was destroyed in 476 A.D., that's when I think uh, approximately 500 AD is when the millennial reign started. But I don't know that that was the actual years. I think that things have been spread out. So all of this could have been happening in 66 AD. It could have all been happening 313. I don't know exactly when, but it's these timeline events are very hard to place according to, you know, the, the victors who write the history. So, so the ending of this millennial reign has already happened or because of the missing time, we are still in the millennial reign. No, it has already happened and it, it's ended. Uh, what we're in now is Satan's short season. Okay. Say that three times fast. You know, it's a tongue twister, but uh, <laughs> in revelation 20, which people don't know this uh, typically Christians, they're not uh, taught this in their churches is that there is a period in between the millennial kingdom and the eternal state. And it's this period where Satan is loose from the pit for a little season, a short season. It's uh, how it's worded in different translations and that he would be, he would deceive the nations and he would gather Gog and Magog from the four corners of the earth. And the number of people on earth would be like the sand on the shore. And he would gather them all for battle and that would lead to the final great white throne judgment. So there is this period of time. So my idea is that what we know as the 1800s, that that was the end of the millennial reign and transitioning mm -hmm. into Satan's short season, which we are now in, and which is, I believe, coming to an end. And it's going to lead to the great white throne judgment and the eternal state. Excellent uh yeah i was i was just contemplating in my head some things and <laughs> then i lost my question uh but um all right so so this millennial reign is going on from around seven or eight hundred and then it goes to the tartaria age of about 800 and then this is the destruction of tartaria when the millennial kingdom ends. So you think that the Tartarians were the, like the millennial kingdom 
Yeah, so the word Tartaria, and it's tricky, and I'm not saying that um, the people that we know as Tartars today are this. Uh, everything, obviously, gets perverted, and these symbols get used for different things, you know, that, you know, they take the Hindu symbol of peace and turn it to the Nazi symbol, you know, so that people don't look at it. There's all sorts of weird stuff that happens with that. So the the word Tartaria, if we break that down, in Greek, Tartarus means the abyss it's a special place in hell that as we know as hell sheol if you will that there's a special place called tartarus so when we talk about tartaria that's really close to tartarus well if you look at what the suffix ia in greek means it means belonging to one of the definitions there's several but one of the definitions is belonging to a state of or a condition of so when you break down tartaria it could be a state of tartar, a condition of tartar, belonging to tartar. And what is tartar? But it's tartarus. And then we have so many derogatory names for uh, the Tartarians, you know, like barbarians is something that we say, uh, you call someone a retard. Uh, there's so many different things mm. that point to the Tartarians were not well-liked people. And if it was this beautiful civilization with free energy and all, that wouldn't be part of our language. The common language of the world is English. And what would have been the elite language would have been Latin. And Latin and English are very similar. There's a lot of things. You just switch out minor differences, Fs and Ss, uh, Us and Vs. There's little subtleties that you can read latin and not know latin itself if you just know the little subtleties and i'm not saying that it works in every single case but latin and english are much more closely related than the offsprings of latin which are uh, french spanish italian they're much further away from english than latin is itself so i think that there was a one world language for the common people which was english and a one world language for the elites which would have been Latin, and that it was kept that way so that the common people couldn't understand, but the elite people could understand everything. So Tartaria, we wouldn't have all of these derogatory names for Tartars unless they were something that was affecting the peaceful, loving civilization that we talk about in uh, this conspiracy theory of Tartaria. And then there's like little weird things that you've recognized of PSYOPs when you start to see that the CIA released a document saying that the communists wanted to cover up this, uh, this land known as Tartaria, that they wanted to rid the world of it, but they still left it on all these different maps, globes, still printed into after this time period that they talk about the uh, what this document came out in like the late 50s and there's still maps that are being produced globes being produced afterwards that have tartaria on it so if they really wanted to cover it up they didn't do a very good job of it you know that they could have done much better it's in all these different books it's actually in uh so many different things when you look at from like the 1920s uh there's different uh uh, different YouTube channels you can get into that uh, that talk about the Tartarians and all these different places. And there's actually still mainstream people who are called 
Tartars. Uh, so I don't think that it would have been Tartaria. I think Tartaria or the Tartarians were those who were freed from the pits, the adversaries that were freed from the pit who came from Tartarus and made their kingdom. They took over starting in this certain area, which may have actually been Jerusalem. Uh, when you start to look at different things, it's very weird, but Russia could have different spots in it that are the actual biblical terms of Jerusalem, like we were talking about earlier, St. Petersburg, the St. Peter's Gates. Uh, there's just so many different weird things that go on with that. But um, when we talk about Tartaria, it's, I think that is the psyop to get us looking at wanting Tartaria to be this one world government again, rather than it being the millennial kingdom where people were free to do as they wanted and they they were living amongst hmm. each other in a peaceful way. So th- this is kind of one of the things that I go back and forth on because I, I kind of see, I can see both sides of the idea. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I can see Tartaria as being the bad guys or the theoretical bad guys that built the these buildings in America. And then the church is the one that comes and the Catholic church is the one that comes and wipes them out and repurposes their buildings <clears throat> and the Tartarians therefore become the evil ones. But then there's a perspective that the Tartarians are the actual millennial kingdom or the Israelites. And then this actually coincides for me in the fact that a lot of these, uh, the, the 10 Northern kingdoms of Israel become like the lands of Tartaria in the middle East of between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea and out to the steppes of Russia. You have this whole area there that describes like the Scythians, the tribe of Dan, uh, the tribe of the Scythians uh, go back to uh, Isaac. Um, they're related to him <clears throat> and that line. And I think Isaac is, uh, isn't Isaac's line, the line that's supposed to have the, uh, uh, like uh bring about the next they're supposed to have the kingship right i'm not sure on that i i know isaac was abraham's son who he was uh offered up and was you know about to cut him in half and then was uh his sword was changed into what flowers or something uh okay. yeah but i'm not sure exact more on isaac i'm not too studied into the old testament stuff yeah so I go, I go to that perspective also of all these different uh, Tartaria kingdoms being part of the Israelites. And then I go, well, then, and because even the Tuatha de Danan, uh, the story that we get of that is the tribe of Dan. Uh, they started calling them the Daemons, and the day was God. So they were just the God men, the men of God. Hmm. So when you think of it in that perspective of like the God men or the men of God are the Tartarians and they're going around and, and bringing enlightenment to people. Then you well, could like really the sons see sons of God, like the fallen angels, the sons of God, something like that. Yeah. They're the day, the day men, the um, God men. So these whole, the whole Tartaria situation over there relates to the tribe of Israel and the descendants of Noah basically. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that very well could be. I mean, there's so many different aspects. And 
the reason why I really think that we're in the uh, Satan's short season is because it's the time of deception, that there's information that can lead you to believe any number of things. And there's a lot of evidence for it all, which makes everything really confusing because you can go down any number of tracks. You know, you have uh, certain aspects of thinking. Uh, Our friend Andy, he has certain aspects of thinking. I have certain aspects of thinking. Anybody does, you know, we and we can all see that. Okay, I I understand why they would think that, you know, we can see each other's uh, points of view and really see that there's a lot of evidence to they're not just believing things on a whim that there is things that lead us to that and i think that when we have the understanding of the bible as the history book of humanity whereas the sumerian story the egyptian story the greek story the roman story that these are from the perspectives of those who worshiped these uh fallen beings and that the these are the creations of the fallen beings well then it's different when we look at the bible is from the human perspective of what was going on because we think that the egyptian greek and roman uh sumerian that these are all different time periods but it's actually one time period when the fallen fell uh they came to all these different places and they all have similar responsibilities and duties. They were principalities that are reigning over certain areas. And uh, when we really understand the human perspective of that is the Bible, the Hebrew people, God's creation, Adam and Eve, uh, and all the lines uh, that extend from Seth, well, then you can start to understand why this book is very similar to all these other mythologies, but it's a different perspective. It's a different take on what was going on, because these are the people who were always loyal to God, that this certain line, and there's only certain people mentioned, like I'm reading uh, Genesis this morning, and they only mention, uh, I think it was like Genesis uh, 5, or six that they talk about the different uh sons the the lines from adam from seth you know and it goes all the way down they only mention the name of one of the sons and they say this person also had more sons and daughters but those other sons and daughters weren't loyal to god the way that these people were so there's so many different things because the word daemon like you said that's also a greek term that means background information that it's neither good nor bad it's moving in the background it's in your subconscious that there's things moving there that can be both good and bad and when you look at computers you have the term daemon again you know it's the same type of idea it makes sense because they're migrating from one location to another okay well yeah that they're just moving in the background yeah yeah Right. And that's how consciousness works. So like our subconscious is always operating, creating what we're seeing in front of us uh, to a degree. And things are just there and they're the daemons of our life. But when you clear out those things and you are very uh, clear in your understandings because you have a perspective of what humanity has been through, 
and you have an understanding of what you yourself have been through and you heal all your traumas and why do I do the things I do? And you clear out that background information, these background programs, you start uh, ending tasks, you know, you pull up uh, control alt delete in your subconscious and you start deleting all those things. Well, then you aren't running on confusion because your operating power is magnified and your closeness to God is there with an understanding of who you are and where you are in time and in consciousness. Do you know what son it is that Jesus comes from of Noah? Which line, well, like what line does David belong to? Is it Cain or is it? Uh, no, Seth? not Cain. Uh, yes. Yeah, it would definitely be Seth. Yeah. Okay. So, but they're Cain and Seth are children of Adam, not Noah. Noah's three sons are Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, I don't so- know which one that uh, David comes from. I think David would have been. I don't know. I was going to say I think David was before Noah. I'm not. Uh, I actually I don't know that, but I don't know which uh, line that Jesus would extend from. Uh, out of noah <clears throat> yeah because i thought it was seth well uh, yeah seth is adam's son yeah for sure yeah because usually cain is seen as the evil one and the murderer yeah and that's He's the one that killed seen, abel yeah that's like the bad one but what's interesting to me is like in egypt Seth or seth is the bad one <laughs> well yeah see it's that perspective right yeah, because so they were like, from the evil one they're from cain <laughs> So they would think that Seth is evil because it's, you know, because God kept Seth around. Adam uh, kept Seth around, whereas Cain was the murderer who was then cast out. And so they're worshiping their God, who's Cain, who brought them the knowledge, who was their enlightener. These He was freeing these people's minds, these creations that were enslaved here by other entities that Cain taught them things directly from quote-unquote god which was adam the first man so he had all the knowledge of god he was god in the flesh essentially before god came back in the flesh the second adam as christ is uh referred as yes i just get really confused on all these things but so then the, the set in egypt would have been killing osiris because osiris is the bad guy and the from the line of Cain and he would want to be trying to stop that from happening so that way good could rule so that means Osiris is bad uh well if we try to put it into context of good and bad because that's always kind of tricky too because like we were talking about earlier sometimes people do good things and bad things and you can't throw it all out so right. um it's yeah, just when- Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but when when you start to understand that the, all these fallen, they they all have one agenda to go against God, and that the Bible is from God. So the Bible will say is this centralized thing, and and then surrounding it on the outer ring of that is everyone else's perspective attacking the Bible, and that's why it gets confusing as to what perspective. So, yeah, like you said, good and bad, it's hard to understand because that is a perspective thing. But when you start to understand whose perspective, so we're talking about the Bible is the creation of God, Adam and Eve's line 
all the way down that that is the bible and then all the other mythology quote-unquote mythologies are all the other perspectives from the fallen and their creations and the people who worshiped them versus the people who were worshiping god that's where that's why it's so confusing and that's why we can fall in line of uh, you know believing that the norse mythology is the correct one the sumerians the correct one the egyptian is the correct one and people just pick and choose which one but it's all deception it's all not necessarily deception but it's all the adversary that is getting you to not worship actual god it's getting you to worship these beings who don't want you to worship god the adversary uh satan is the adversary of who it's the adversary of christ it's the adversary of you it's the satanists that run this realm the luciferians that believe that they are god themselves that they walk amongst they are gods amongst men whereas god is invisible isn't it like the jews then what was that isn't that like the jews what you talking about the pharisees or well, you talking, well, they think they're the gods they're the chosen people the chosen they're the, people they're the ones that are above everybody else well so there is when we talk about the hebrew people you know judaism to me is a religion religion is tradition but when we talk about right. the hebrew people they were the line of god they were directly created by god whereas there were other creations already on earth that were not created by god that there were like when Cain is afraid that he's going to be killed when he's cast out of the garden, and then all of a sudden he has a wife, but it's only supposed to be him that he killed Abel and Adam and Eve. You know, obviously there's other things already here. So they were creations that were created prior to, and it's called gap theory uh, in Christian um, circles, mm-hmm. uh, that there were already creations here. And Cain being cast out, that's where he was this enlightened. Uh, he was bringing enlightenment to different people. And Adam Stokes, when I had him on, he was telling me about Cain uh, became, there's different uh, groups, uh, the Cainites, not the Canaanites, similar but different, but there's Cainites who worshiped Cain and that Cain and the serpent became best friends, essentially. And there's a lot of different stuff that uh, that goes on with that. Well, God and Satan were tight, though, weren't they, bros? So, Lucifer, when they <laughs> talk in the about the book of Job, they're hanging out together and fucking inflicting Job with all kinds of stuff to see if he'll keep his faith. And they're sitting there, like, kind of laughing about it, saying, like, you know, let's see what it'll do if we'll give him this and give him that. Right. So, and trying yeah, to tempt God. In, and then what he does is he tricks God into fucking giving all Job all these afflictions <laughs> well, just to see it, test his faith. Yeah, he was, he was <clears throat> testing Job's faith, right? Uh, so what in this council there was this there's this council and Dr. Michael Heiser, I'm not too uh, studied on his work, but he breaks it down. He knows the the Greek, the Hebrew, and the English, and he breaks down uh, that there's this council. I think of nine that God has in heaven, and that there's also an evil side to that you know they create their own uh council but in this council of nine in order to strengthen everyone's resolve these nine different people or beings whatever they have their own duties and responsibilities and one of them is to be 
the adversary. It's to to try to lure people away from God. So when we talk about Satan, it's not talking about the adversary, you know, and you've had esoteric Eddie on when we talk about Satan, Lucifer, maybe they're not the same character. Uh, a lot of times it's just said as the adversary, you know, you could call Hillary Clinton, Satan, <laughs> you could call Trump Satan, and you're not wrong. They're the adversary of humanity. That's what it boils down to. So there are many different Satans and uh, gods. So when we talk about Lucifer, though, you know, that is a mistranslation it's supposed to be something else but it comes from probably samael was uh this creation this angel if you will that was god's closest angel who wanted to then be worshipped so then he rebelled and and he brought fallen angels with him uh so there's created many satans as they all fell and they started teaming together, but they were, mm. they're a family who's feuding, who they all want control, but their ultimate goal is just to just keep God away from the people. So it doesn't really matter if it's Trump's family or if it's the Clinton family or the Bush family, it doesn't really matter just as long as it's not God's family. That's what matters to them more than anything. So they feud and they try to get to the top, but in the end, they're working together against us, and they're just like jockeying for a position on the leaderboard. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And so everything's so messed up. Yeah. Um, uh, Satan's short season. If you uh, if you just take the first letter of each of that, it's yeah, serpent. Yeah. Yeah, the SS, hey, the Hitler, SSS. The SS. It's three S. Yeah, yeah Satan season. Yeah, Satan's short seasons. Yeah. <laughs> the snake in the grass. And uh, the tribe of Dan is the snake. Yeah, and, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, you know, and I think it's prophesied in the Bible, too, that uh, the tribe of Dan will be the Antichrist in the end times. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting too. That I, I haven't come across the tribe of Dan in the Bible. You haven't? Mm -mm. I'm still in the, I'm working my way through the old Testament now, but yeah, it's not one of the 12 tribes of Israel. It was one of the 13. Well, it's the not mentioned. Of, the tribe of Dan gets kicked out because they, uh, go mingle with the Canaanites and they start worshiping other deities besides God. Okay. So yeah. Out of the tribes of Israel. Then they go to, into the Northlands and then into that area i'll have to get into that i guess that's old testament so because then the, what i was just talking about is the new testament with the 12 yeah. tribes and then that connects in with the twatha didanan and then how they kind of went back and went up to the north into denmark and then into uh ireland and scotland and stuff right, right. because they migrated back because they were the daemons so they were in the background but not necessarily in the foreground okay so maybe like judas uh was represented by you know the 12 disciples uh, the Judas, the betrayer, uh -huh, the, the one scorpion. who went against God. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss of death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's get back more into America and Tartaria because uh, when you talk about the millennial kingdom on your uh, eight part series, uh, one of the things that you kind of talk about is these uh, catastrophes that happen in America, these, volcanic things and um earthquakes and whatnot 
can you can you like go into some of those and and show how that affected the land and is that part of the millennial kingdom is that a significant how does that fit into that yeah so i think that that is the uh the ending of how the millennial kingdom was destroyed and, and essentially covered up is that it was destroyed and uh it's not just america that some of the events are going on uh yeah, i mean it's, it's all over worldwide yeah. Yeah, so I think, okay, I'll say where I think that it started, and uh, when I talked about the uh, biblical apocalypse in that two-part series that I had, which is also a playlist on my YouTube channel, I start with Emanuel Swedenborg, when he starts uh, prophesying, uh, he becomes super psychic all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes to him on Easter weekend, and he goes from being this uh, atheistic scientist to then... He is completely psychic, seeing the unseen realm, angels and uh, demons traveling, and uh, just heaven and hell. He has books on it. Very interesting stuff. Well, he said that the end of the world was happening, and that was in like 17, uh, that's been a little while for me, but I think that was like 1759 or so he said that. So when we talk about 1776 right is the uh form formation of the united states of america and we have the declaration of independence and the, okay. and the illuminati yes the the um bulvarian uh illuminati uh, 1776 and also it was what 1773 was uh who was it the jesuits were expelled or disbanded something uh was it the jesuits or knights of templar in america I'm not. I'm not sure exactly where it was. I think they. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. No, well, I think they all came to America for quote unquote religious freedom. Templ- Templars were disbanded in like thirteen thirteen yeah. or something like that. Yeah, thirteen hundreds. Yeah. Friday the thirteenth. Yeah, October thirteenth, thirteen oh seven. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think it was the Jesuits, but yeah, when they started America, that was because it was freedom persecution. Uh, they wanted freedom from religious persecution, as they call it. That's all nonsense. That was because they were practicing child sacrifice and all sorts of Old Testament rituals that were they were being cast out of uh, Europe for that. They were being expelled from everywhere. So they're like, oh, let's go to where nobody's at. Even though there were people here, there weren't very many uh, tribes here at that time because something was happening where uh, the giants just started dying off for whatever reason. Th- things were going on that there was these cities just left bare and America itself, North, what we know as America, North America, it was really just not, uh, not populated to the, to a great degree. It wasn't as empty as we're led to believe that there were just native American tribes running around in grass skirts. Uh, living you know hunting buffalo until they uh they killed them off and all that stuff that's really a false uh, representation of what was going on in america but it wasn't populated the way it is now with 330 plus million americans um so when we talk about okay declaration of independence starts america well what really started america was the constitution of the united states and that started 
that was written in 1788. It didn't go into effect until March 3rd, 1789. So it was written in 87 and completed in 88 and went to effect in 89. Well, there's this prophecy, I think it's in Jeremiah. Uh, I forget exactly where it's at in the Old Testament, but there's this prophecy that Babylon would reign for 70 years and five months in the Old Testament. And 70 years and five months after March 3rd, 1789, we have the Carrington event, which was September 1st and 2nd, 1859, which that is what I believe was the rapture. So in that 70-year period of time, there were many destructive cataclysms, catastrophes, everything that Jesus spoke about, the uh, what would happen at the end times, all were occurring there. So obviously we had wars going on in the 1770s in america but that was just like the very beginnings of it where we can really focus on is the 1800s and 1811 what started occurring the new madrid earthquakes which oddly enough uh new madrid is in missouri the mormons believe that jackson missouri was the garden of eden which is kind of like the central point of america you know not exactly but Generally speaking, it's in that area, and it's right on the Mississippi River. Well, the New Madrid earthquakes, three of them struck from December 1811 until early February 1812, and actually it reversed the Mississippi River for three days, created two new waterfalls, so many different weird things, and that sounds like a biblical event to me. We're talking about the Mississippi River was reversed, and it's where the Mormons believe that Eden was, or in that general area anyway. I mean, that is uh, sounds very biblical. So you had that happen. You had Tecumseh's or Napoleon's comet that was seen worldwide for 17 months. It was visible with the naked eye for like 260-some-odd days or whatever. Uh, this comet that was just circling the Earth, and people could just see it. It wasn't very far away. Uh, it was called Tecumseh's or Napoleon's Comet, depending if you were in Europe or North America, because what we also had going on in 1812 was World War Zero or the Napoleonic Wars, as it's more commonly known as, because they don't tell us it's a world war. We have the War of 1812 in America, which is the French and some Native Americans against the English and other Native Americans, as well as Napoleon taking over all of Europe and into Russia. And there's big battles going on where the French are just dominating the entire world at that time. Then that leads into 1814. There's a volcanic eruption. I forget which one it was, but there was a volcanic eruption that occurred. Then in 1815, Mount Tambora uh, explodes. And 1816 is then the year without a summer. And this Napoleonic War was going on from well it started really started in 1801 but it really hyped up between 1812 and 1815 so in this short time frame we have jesus's words being fulfilled that there would be wars rumors of war there would be pestilence there would be um, famine because there was famine all over the place because of the wars because of the volcanic explosion what happened the year without a summer there was the sun was blocked out 
for an entire year. And it was up to about seven years where it was really blocked out. But he also said that the uh, sun wouldn't be uh, seen. It would be blackened and the moon wouldn't be visible at all, which that is exactly what would have occurred. So he also said that the stars would uh, fall from heaven. And in 1833, you have the Leonids meteor shower where over 100,000 comets just started appearing like they were falling from heaven. Then what we have in the 1840s to 1860s, we have photographs of the entire world where all these major cities are completely empty as if everybody went underground for some reason, maybe because comets were falling to the earth and striking at different Mm -hmm. places causing mud floods maybe causing destruction by fire as it was foretold was going to happen and then we look at when the world's fair started it was 1850 right and all this is leading into the carrington event so there's all these different things happening and then the carrington event strikes in 1859 and that's what I believe was the rapture event. And that's when I believe Satan was finally loosed. Like I believe that there were people who were worshiping these spirits who then were trying to bring them to fruition this entire time. And that's when it was the saints, as depicted in Catholicism, uh, were raptured away. All the uh, loving people who could make it into heaven, they were all gone. And then what was left were those who didn't accept Christ yet into their hearts and understanding and into their minds, and they were still living for themselves in the flesh. And that's when those who remembered it and saw these events occurring, they were thrown into insane asylums. That's when the insane asylums started, Mm -hmm. and they started experimenting on people, and they started taking people's kids and giving them to the orphan trains, and they started the infantoriums because... They needed to take these newborn babies away from these insane people who were talking about the raptures occurred. You got to worship Jesus and we got to repent and all that stuff. So they took them and called them crazy. And they paint this picture to us that the 1850s were horse and buggy drawn, that there were people were just working hard and that they weren't very technologically advanced. And that there was nothing going on that, you know, there was cavemen not too long ago and, you know, just all this nonsense to really get us not focused on the destruction that happened in the 1800s that was all predicted by Jesus and all of his words came to fruition in a very timely fashion prophesied by Jeremiah in the Old Testament of that 70 years, five months that Babylon would have uh rain until god stepped in um what what exactly is the carrington event so the carrington event was this event where it's some kind of solar flare uh, struck the earth and knocked its magnetic um protective layer and the magnetic field it knocked it down by 25% immediately. Mm. And people who were working the telegraph system at the time were actually shocked, literally, like uh, they were holding the metal or whatever. They were all felt that would that bring about a flood of some sort? Well, it certainly could have done uh, 
numerous things. Uh, I don't know all the details of everything that happened. I have to do some further studying into the Carrington event to help uh, advance my position and understanding that it was the rapture, but it definitely messed up the earth's atmosphere. And so when we talk about the free energy that these cathedrals had uh, like energetic fields running along them, that these star forts had energetic fields, this uh, mm. Tesla type of energy that you could just essentially pull it from the ether by setting things up in a certain way. I think the Carrington event really stopped all that, that it turned that type of energy off to where now we have to manipulate it in a different way to have it uh, the way that we have it now. All right. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to go a little bit off script here and, and ask you like, uh, what is your, uh, kind of view on like ghosts and demons and spirits like what is that because like seemingly if we have these uh demons coming from the pit and then this carrington event happening and everything getting wiped out and destroyed do you think like maybe the spirits of these evil uh people that came from the pit are now loose on the earth and that's why we're dealing with the this kind of like um spiritual warfare or have they always kind of just been around since way back in time so okay so there's different things spirits ghosts and demons are all right. three different things right exactly so the <clears throat> demons are the spirits of the nephilim that don't have a place to go so the nephilim were the children of the fallen when the fallen mixed with humanity, they created a new breed of being called the Nephilim. And they looked that some were giants, some were, there's all sorts of different stuff. Some are these Egyptian gods with bird heads or um, with dog heads and human bodies. You know, there's all sorts of different cryptids that are Nephilim. And there's even smaller ones like the small greys and stuff. They could essentially be offspring which la marzulli actually has a skull of one very fascinating mm -hmm. uh, it's a tiny skull so not all of them were giants and when you talk to ken Ami, he'll tell you that the word giant didn't mean a person of tall stature when it was translated in english it meant meant someone who was earthborn or earthbound so they are earthbound because they don't have the spirit of god in them so they don't have heaven to go to when they die. So when the flood killed their human bodies, the their energetic presence still remained. And people could still get in touch with them through psychedelics and through technologies that we have today. We we don't think of them as interdimensional devices, but this is we're manipulating time and space to be in front of each other right now. You know, you're on the mm -hmm. West Coast, I'm on the East Coast very far away we couldn't communicate right now without these interdimensional devices but this is exactly how they get through to us through psychedelics and through technology is how they communicate electricity yes it, the the false electricity that we use it's not it's no longer the free uh energetic uh, ether that we could just tap mm -hmm. into it's a specifically being um pointed towards certain things so that these beings can manipulate do you think that could relate to aliens and people's yeah, like uh, interpretation of what they're seeing is 
these electrical type entities that are flowing through different electrical hotspots and whatnot. Absolutely. And, and coming up is like a, I don't, I don't, I can't, what's the word? Like uh, showing themselves in through these some energetic type of grids. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes they'll step in a place that it's very highly energetic for the earth. And then you say them and then they're gone. And, you know, it's Bigfoot often with many Yeah, I didn't even think about Bigfoot before. They always, there's a lot of different, you know, go back and forth between interdimensional Bigfoot and physical Bigfoot. Right. That's that's interesting. And because they're usually followed by some type of UFO sighting. Right. Also, which is, so if, if they were like to show themselves as a figure from this electrical stuff, you could also see like the the ufo possibly being the the portal the electrical portal they came through or something like that right and the ophanim which are angels uh in the bible they're the wheels within wheels ezekiel's wheel Mm -hmm. i mean that they could be the fallen uh you know these ufos quote-unquote ufos that we say uh they could be fallen angels that because that's exactly what they're they're wheels within wheels and they were angels so uh, that's that could be part of it but yeah so the demons uh, they are those nephilim spirits that they don't have anywhere to go uh, it's essentially like if our computer was to be sentient all of a sudden and we uh killed it we had to you know we were hand to hand combat negative energy from the electrical grid right it would have nowhere to go it, it would just be there so people were then able to tap into that uh demonic energy to bring it to life and they would create these statues that then these spirits could then possess and the spirits could be or biological mannequins they also would make that's why they make clones uh nowadays still is to really allow these entities that aren't of earth or aren't human to then walk amongst humans and they look it's very obvious sometimes that uh these things aren't human that there's something wrong you talk about like the men in black phenomena and uh the black eyed kids all types of stuff like that like there's a bunch of weird stuff uh with them so ghosts in my opinion are earthbound spirits and i've communicated uh we didn't talk about this in this episode maybe we covered it in the last time i was on but i'm someone who became psychic very rapidly very quickly and i started communicating with different beings of all sorts angels uh what we would call aliens all sorts of different stuff i've done a bunch of psychedelics and i've seen a bunch of different things my clouds a lot of stuff comes to me in the clouds just weird stuff so i would communicate with uh these beings and i could free people i could free these energies by having them uh take on christ as their lord and savior and then they would just be gone from this place they would no longer be here they were earthbound only because this is like purgatory the other side of physicality that uh exist all around us that we don't know exists all around us the unseen realm they are around us because they're in purgatory and they don't know it and they start messing with us and they're doing all sorts of different stuff 
because they're trying to have fun because they just want to have experience again because they don't experience anything. And when we talk about psychics and mediums that tap into those energies, they think that they're talking to people in heaven because those people are dead and they think that automatically you either go to heaven or hell, but that's not what it is. You go to Abraham's bosom and there's two sides to it and you can either be waiting to go to heaven or you can be waiting to go to hell, but it's still purgatory and they have to essentially uh, gain their wings. You know, these angels have to uh, earn their wings, if you will. So that's uh, kind of what ghosts are, earthbound spirits, as I would uh, call them, that they're unclean. Maybe the Bible would call them unclean spirits, that they haven't earned their way into heaven yet. And then when we talk about spirits, um, there's different like elemental energies that uh, like when we talk about the watchers and uh, the book of Enoch, the stars are the watchers. They were created to watch the earth. Mm. and they are their own beings we would call them like elementals maybe but there's still fallen angels so uh these spirits like the grass is a living thing it has its own spirit the the water is its own living thing it has a spirit not the same as humanity like we can do more things with our physical body than they can you know there's only a certain degree of things that these plants and elementals can do but they are still spirits who can move about they can speak to you you know you can hear the wind speak to you if you listen closely enough as the native americans would say uh there's a lot of different things like that and it, at any time because they are sentient beings just like we are they can either be working for god or they can be working against god and they can tell you uh, all sorts of different things and you do you really don't know what you can trust once you start realizing that there are things that have their own agendas and god gives everything its own free will so he allows them to freely trick us if we want to be tricked then uh then we'll just fall right into it so um i think that that would probably sum up the the three different spirits ghosts and demons that uh you asked me about excellent yeah um so we have our millennial kingdom from around uh starting kind of in the 70s but then not really taking effect till around 600 700 Uh, yeah like 500 i would say yeah and then it goes all the way up until this carrington event in the 1800s which kind of resets everything again now what's supposed to happen is is satan supposed to come up Hmm, okay so uh uh, the years again are are a little fuzzy so i think that that 500 to 1500 is called the dark ages and i think that's the millennial kingdom uh would have been that thousand years but why would that why would that have been the dark ages wouldn't that have been like enlightenment ages well everything in here is inverse right they they inverse everything so what do they call after the dark ages is the enlightenment era yeah it's a renaissance right so the reason why they call it the dark ages is because the lack of scientific advancement is what they say but there was actually a 300 year warming period where the whole earth warmed up and it became much 
warmer everywhere. They didn't uh, necessarily have the same seasons that we have. It was a more uh, warm place. Like this is uh, mainstream history. It's a 300 years. But when we so how would it be the dark ages if it was actually a better temperatures all around? Because they say it's lack of scientific advancement. Well, science is the religion of the Luciferians. And I mean, people can talk about scientism today. It's quite obvious what's been happening in the last couple of years that these people just fall into the belief that science is uh, real, but it's actually a religion. It's a tradition that people just believe everything that's said about that. And the enlightenment is who brings enlightenment, right? It's Lucifer brings enlightenment. So not Jesus. No, it's like the enlightenment era would. So the dark ages end because the science then be uh, starts to advance again. So they're always talking in the Bible and any Christian will tell you that the, the one who brings enlightenment is the bringer of knowledge. The bringer of light is Lucifer. Mm. Right. So it's, yeah, Jesus isn't the enlightener. Jesus is the savior of humanity. It's uh, what he brings is an understanding. Yes. And he, you could say he enlightens you to what you truly are and how you can truly leave this place but he is not bringing you the information in the same way. He is here to defeat evil. He is here to bring the sinners back to redemption. And that, well, that's what he was here for. It was, it wasn't to enlighten people. It was to free them from sin. Hmm. And sin, sin of course means to miss the mark and to miss the mark of what? To miss the mark of perfection, which means we're not being judged for doing things badly. We are sinning by not being the best versions of ourselves, by participating in things that are hurting ourselves. And some, most of the time, we don't even know it. Hmm. So, so the end is the Carrington event. What happens after the Carrington event? So this is where uh, it gets a little fuzzy for me you know honestly i don't have all the answers and this is uh something that's uh, going to take a lot more mm-hmm. uh, research to really dive into but when you look at um so we talked about france earlier with napoleon right uh napoleon is uh his name you know it has a little word magic in it napoleon oh, oh. Yeah, Napoleon. Napoleon. There you go. Yeah, N. Apollyon. His name, you know, a little word magic. It's N. Apollyon. Uh, but when I'm bringing up France again for a reason because uh, Baphomet is a character. It's a French word that actually means the baptism of enlightenment or baptism of wisdom. Um, and he looks a lot like Krampus, who Krampus in Germany and Austria. Uh, he is in bound in chains and mm-hmm. he comes and beats the non-believers uh, and he's with St. Nick. Um, there's also uh, the Statue of Liberty comes from France and it's actually the creators of it use the, uh, the molding of Mithras, a statue of Mithras to represent the Statue of Liberty which looks a lot like paintings of Lucifer. 
and it's holding the light, you know, it's, and mm. it also has broken chains around its ankle. Uh, there's a lot of different weird things with the Statue of Liberty and uh, with France involved in all of this different stuff. And even like Baphomet is actually like the French word extending from uh, Mamet or Muhammad. And Mamet, the god of money, you know, Muhammad, the prophet of Islam. I'm not, I'm not here bashing Islam or anything. That's just what it uh, comes from. That's like the yeah. literally, that's uh, the information that I found. That well, I, I associate Lucifer with the moon and and money and money. And so the, it all kind of connects for me. And then liberty, you could see liberty as being uh, like liberty which would put that Lou in there, which would have that moon connotation. That extends from with, Columbia, right? That's also, they're the same yeah, deity la, or similar. The LU is right in the middle of Columbia. Yeah, and Columbus, it, you know, then mm-hmm. you go to the Chicago Exposition, 1892, 400 years after Christopher Columbus uh, discovered America, and it has a big old statue of Columbia. You have Columbia Pictures, Columbia Records. Washington DC, mm-hmm. the District of Columbia. Uh it's it's so many different word magic things going on there. Yeah, it's like deity worship of the pagans, right? Yeah, exactly. Of uh female female deities. I mean that is that's pretty much why the Templar were uh eradicated from by the Catholic churches because that they were worshiping a, a female deity. Well, I don't even know that they're necessarily female because uh you look at the Statue of Liberty, it looks like a man. You know, uh, well, androgyny and, is like right, a big thing. So you know what I mean. Yeah, that's what Baphomet is too. So right, the trans movement, um, and we they call transhumanism. And they, but it, maybe that could even connect into the Ophiuchus uh, zodiac symbol because he has one foot on land and one foot in water, so he has that duality within. So it's kind of almost like a Baphomet type of being androgynous male and female being water and land is kind of similar in that respect and i think the statue of liberty has like one foot in water one foot on land too yeah well it's something uh it's just like a symbolic thing it's actually just on top of a pillar but it's on an island so that's like the the seventh angel uh of the the seven angels who would sound the trumpets uh i mean it's depicted the statue of liberty is exactly depicting what is talked about the seventh angel so i didn't know if you could have one foot on water and one foot yeah it's interesting as well interesting huh yeah it pertains to those types of things too and ophiuchus is that one between i think he's between uh scorpio and uh i can't remember sagittarius the, is it sag yeah because i'm a sagittarius but with ophiuchus now i'm an ophiuchus and it's only like uh, what like two weeks long and it's yeah, my birthday sure. is is in there so yeah <laughs> interesting um so let's see so okay so one of the things that i wanted to talk about was um you say you take everything from the bible literally um and that's how you're able to get these explanations um in Mark four thirty three to 41, he says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke to the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. 
So it seems to me like he was saying these things in parables to the people, but then in like close proximity, he could, it's kind of like a mystery school type thing. He was able to explain the meaning behind what he was actually saying. What do you uh, think about for people that would say that Jesus only speaks in parables and not literal, not to take the Bible literally, but as a parable for what's going on? So one, when he does speak in parable, it does uh, specifically say speaking in parable. And like you said there, okay. uh, what he, I was saying that he said would occur at the end of uh, the world, quote unquote, at the end of the world, all those things he was saying specifically to his disciples right before he was about to be murdered. So it was behind closed doors. So it wasn't uh, that he was out in the open. So when it's what it's saying in Mark is that when he went out into the public and he was in the public square, in order to get people to think about things, he would say them in parable so that those who had a mind to understand would then think about it and understand it. Because if you go around uh, shouting uh, stuff like the government's evil and they're here, you know, they created a fake pandemic in order to deceive you, People are like, oh, I'm not listening to that guy. But if you start to speak in parable, then they'll start to think about it. And those who don't have the capacity to think about it, you know, you don't need to reach them. So you you kind of filter out people in that way, that people who are interested in what you're saying and they, they're intrigued by you, they're going to follow you. But if when you're very direct about things, it's going to lead to more conflict rather than to get people to uh, question everything. You know, they're not going to want to follow you if they see you causing so much conflict. So uh, I I will say that the Bible is very metaphorical for your own life, and you can use it as uh, for your own very personal understanding of everything. There is that aspect to it. There is partially astrotheology it's partially numerology it's partially many different things but it is uh these authors were writing these things literally because it was a literal thing that was going on it was important enough to write it down um so i don't just take the bible as literal but when i look at the greek mythology roman mythologies egyptians all of these different things, I take them all as literal. And when I first started, I would pick and choose what I would consider literal and what I would consider metaphorical. And I went to the Bibles, the last thing that I started reading. Like I said, I'm not, I'm in the Old Testament now. I read through the New Testament and now I'm in the Old Testament, but I haven't read it fully, the Old Testament yet. And I've read the New Testament before, you know, but it means more to me now once I understood or once I started looking into all these different aspects. And when I started, you know, I was taking things as metaphorical. I've had people on uh, like Ed Dodge who said, you know, Columbia and Liberty are ISIS. They're the same character. They're just different names in different places. Like, yeah, there, there is that. So when I was trying to understand everything that was going on, I was like, okay, uh, these are the same things, but then sometimes they're not the same thing. Like sometimes Thoth and Mercury 
line up very well together, but then there's other times where they don't line up at all. And sometimes the, uh, the Enoch, the son of Cain lines up with certain aspects of Azazel, the fallen angel, but also there's other times where he's lining up with, uh, Thoth in certain things, but they don't always line up that. So to me, when I see that there's similarities between them, but I look around and I'm like, yeah, well, I, there's similarities between Dan and I, but there's also differences between us. Now that doesn't mean that we're, we don't exist differently. And that doesn't mean that, uh, if someone's writing the story, someone's watching the both of us and writing each story in different ways that they would be saying, oh, no, that's just the same character. So when we're hundreds or even thousands of years down the line, it's important that we do give everyone and everything that's written down its full respect and take it as literal, if that's what the author is meaning it as. But a lot of times these ancient works they aren't written down as metaphorical things to be a mystery school thing. Now it can work that way. And it does often work that way in many different things, but it is the literal that should be understood first. Well, maybe not first even, but it should be understood at some point that it's not just metaphorical symbolic and all these other things as above. So below fractal nature, it is all of those things, but it is also literal like if we wrote down you know what happened with politics and uh the pandemic in the last couple of years like in a hundred years some of it's so ridiculous that if someone picked up in a hundred years like oh that can't be real that's that's just metaphor you know that wasn't really happening that was just because you know there's still events to come that someone would be like oh they just obviously the pandemic was just some kind of cover to try to take over the world and when those people were taken out, there was this world war uh, that was occurring, but none of it was real. It was just metaphorical for the changes that were going on in the world, which, yeah, it, it is metaphorical for the changes going on in the world, but it's also very literal as well. So we have to have a different, we have to treat everything equally, whether it's symbolic. You can't pick and choose that you want this to be symbolic, but you want this to be literal. You have to read it all symbolically then read it all literally and then you'll have a much better understanding rather than pick and choosing which box you want to or column you want to pull from all right so many people may assume that i'm pagan of some sort uh or whatnot uh but personally actually i don't worship any deities i talk a lot about paganism and i also talk about biblical stuff a lot too and for me, I don't worship any of deities because I feel like they're all bad. They all come from the same place, in my opinion. Uh, and that goes along with Jesus, too. I don't, I don't see a differentiation between him and the other gods. They're all the gods, and all the gods are part of the same families. Therefore, he's part of that same family. And so how, because I hear this a lot, that all these pagan gods are evil, and Jesus is not evil, and he's separated. How what what is that distinction and separation that makes them different like how are they not all connected okay so when we look at the what is the similarities between them uh there are not very many that so when we talk about 
these birth dates of December 25th. Firstly, we know that the man Yeshua, he was not born December 25th, but Mary was probably conceived uh, with the Holy Spirit on December 25th. And he was probably born what we know as September 11th. And uh, that is uh, a whole nother tangent you could go on, but they didn't have December 25th uh, when Nimrod was around, when Osiris was around, that wasn't uh, such a thing. That is something that modern people have put on Mithras. That wasn't a thing back then. December twenty fifth. That is, uh, it's completely false doctrine that people teach, and they just like Jordan Maxwell. Uh, you know, rest in peace to him. But they they just continue to uh, spit out these uh, pieces of information that they heard somewhere else at one point but that's not actually verifiable. There's nothing true about, there was no December 25th. So when people say that these deities were born December 25th, like just look at when creation or calendars were created and there was no such time period. Uh, To to counter that, I would say, aren't they just getting this symbology from the fact that the sun dips on that day and it's a sun, sun sun religion, sun worship. So they're just they could be doing uh, that, yeah. They're just putting into the fact that, you know, because I, I've heard before, like through the zeitgeist type shit, that uh Jesus died for three days and then came back. It's just a representation of the sun dying for three days and coming back because it's the winter solstice. So it's like the three lesser days and then and then the sunlight increases after that. So couldn't it right. just be that kind of uh dating through through astronomical dating rather than putting a December 25th stamp on it. Well, yeah, that could be uh, certainly a part of it. And as above, so below is a real thing. It's the fractal nature of life. Right. Yeah. Uh, So and I'm with you there. Yeah. And the sun uh, dying and hanging, you know, it's, that is kind of symbolic in the sense that that's what happened with Jesus. Right. But, Jesus is actually the only one who defeated death and returned to earth and returned so much Mm. that Paul wrote half of the New Testament, someone who was persecuting Christians. Uh, He was actually blinded on the road to Damascus by Jesus Christ in uh, spirit after he was crucified, came to him, blinded him because he came to him and he was so bright that he blinded him the same way that Uh, Moses had to hide his face when he encountered Yahweh because his face was so bright that he blinded people. So he had to shield his face. Uh, That is what happened. So Paul's teachings are very important. And then Paul goes to this man when he gets to Damascus, this man who also uh, was in touch with Jesus Christ, the energetic being that he is, and knew that Paul was coming and that he would heal him. And that's exactly what happened. These people didn't have any touch whatsoever. They just, they knew because of the invisible God came to them. So Mm. that's what Jesus is. The invisible God made visible. And I actually did a uh, a little uh, excerpt uh, on my YouTube channel about this yesterday, a little hour discussion about the invisible God being made visible. So the characteristics of god even the disciples they were confused by what jesus was saying all the time when he says you know the father sent me uh if you believe in me you believe in he who sent me 
And his disciples would say things like, uh, well, can you show us what the father is? Because he would also say, no one has seen the father except the son. And he's saying, I'm the son of God, which actually uh, in those days, calling yourself the son of someone meant you're equal to. So he's saying, I am God when he's saying, I am the son of God. And uh, so they're saying, well, what does the father look like? And he's just like, my actions. That's what the father looks like. God is invisible. The invisible God made visible is Jesus by him showing us what he was doing was he was going around and he was correcting the incorrect actions. You know, people were, uh, the worst things they had to say about him were, was that he was going against man's tradition of observing the Sabbath, which is a man-made thing. And he was healing people on the Sabbath. That was the worst thing that was said about him. But what the loving God would do is he would heal you on any day of the week. And it didn't matter. So he was correcting people when they were incorrect. He was showing compassion and care for those who uh, were being cast out by men everywhere. He came to redeem the sinners, that the people that were cast out or castaways, you know, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the lepers, all the people that society deemed unworthy, that's who the loving, invisible God made visible came to reach and connect with. And he came to show that those who are teaching you things, these are the Pharisees. This is the synagogue of Satan. This is the line of old vipers that come from Cain. That The Pharisees are? Yes, and he says that specifically two different times, that they're the line of vipers, uh, that they're not from Abraham, and mm-hmm. uh, that they are from the line of Cain, which are I... Are the Pharisees the Jesuits? Uh, I get, Well, to me, it could be like uh, these uh, Christian pastors and also uh, whatever religion you want to talk about that aren't, that are there to deceive people, you know, purposely mm-hmm. to deceive people. Mm-hmm. I think that's what the Pharisees... Uh, that's what it means to me. And uh, so to me, Adam and Eve, when they, or when Eve ate of the fruit, the forbidden fruit, she actually had sex with one of these serpent angels, these seraphim, and produced a child, which was Cain, which is why Jesus said the line of vipers from Cain who killed the righteous Abel. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I really think that that all extends from. But so Jesus himself, He sacrificed himself. He took this torture, and it's very symbolic. The torture and beatings that he took were are symbolic of these religious leaders and these political leaders uh, torturing God and killing God, so that they then became God and that they were then worshipped and they could rule over humanity without God intervening. They didn't want God in their mind and their uh, moral ways telling them that they're doing wrong so they killed god god came to love us and came to show us the way to heaven because we had this uh these rulers that were over us the pharisees that were teaching us false ways of living and they wanted us to live by tradition which is we call religion you know i wash my clothes religiously i play softball religiously you know you do things on a tradition basis, and they call it religion. Uh, but he wanted to buck the tradition, and for that, they ultimately killed him because they he was showing 
all of these subjects who were subjected to the Pharisees' rule. He was showing them that they didn't need other men to listen to, that they had the invisible God within them, that they could get in touch with their morality if they aligned with what God wanted them to do by not doing the things that they had a guilty conscience of. You know, when you, you do something, you feel guilt, shame, fear. That is not from God. So that means that you shouldn't be doing those things. So you repent by not doing those things, by apologizing to God or whoever that you did uh, an act to, and that you don't do those things anymore. That's what repenting means, is acknowledging your past uh, mistakes and not doing them anymore. So why Jesus is different is because Jesus shows that God is all loving and kind and compassionate, whereas the other ones want to worship. Jesus didn't want to be worshiped. What he was doing was he was washing the feet of his disciples. And when he goes to wash their feet, he was being a servant to humanity. Even though he is the creator, all of the the creator's best attributes, because there's nothing bad ever said about Jesus anywhere you've, you look into, uh, Yeshua, there's nothing bad ever said about the man, except for he was healing people on the Sabbath. That was the worst thing that they had against him. Uh, so he, he liked hookers. Yeah, and then he hung out with the, the hookers and tax collectors. Oh, just and, a joke. Yeah, but that that is like, that's the worst things that are said about him. But that's because these people were threatened because what he said was, if you had a flock of sheep and your sheep is hurt on the Sabbath, are you not going to help it up? Or are you just going to leave it in a ditch just because it's the Sabbath? Well, humanity is his sheep because he is the shepherd of us and he is here to bring us or was here to bring us all back to the creator so why he is different is he shows uh what servitude actually inherently is good yes inherently good what servitude is how to act so he's not being worshipped he's not up on a throne up on a mantle uh there's supposed to be no images of him being created uh he's not you know being fed grapes and being fanned he's riding in on a donkey He's being tortured. This is what humanity has done to God. If you want to look at it symbolically, that is the life of Jesus. And that is why Jesus is God in the flesh, the invisible God made visible. He had all the characteristics of God and all the symbolic nature of what was happening to God throughout all of history was summarized in his lifetime and, and what happened. And it's, uh, you know, there's obviously there's mystery about 13 to 29. Where was he? Did he go to India? Did he learn Buddhism? That mm-hmm. type of stuff, which I'm sure he actually did learn the human body in that way and was learning amongst uh, quote unquote yogis or whatever that there were at the time in order to learn those different techniques that they were doing. So he had a better understanding of how to reach people and how to teach them uh, what he needed to teach. But he was significantly different in that he defeated death on the cross he went down to hell and Mm. he brought out all of those that were down in hell all these spirits that were down in hell he freed them and he brought them to a new understanding and he created a new way to heaven so that we didn't have to have violence 
to fight over because this is what was happening for a long time before him was that people were fighting over God and that uh, they still do. Uh, and that they were saying that, uh, you know, you had to rule over someone in order to make them rule by fear, you know, rule by violence, that you had to make them believe your way mm-hmm. of doing things. And that's not how he ruled at all. His kingdom was not of this earth, because if it was, then all of his subjects would have fought to the death for uh, for him when he was taken by the uh, Pharisees in the middle of the night. But they didn't because his kingdom wasn't of here. And that's what makes him different. That These other entities that you're talking about, they made their kingdoms here. And they were worshipped in Norse mythology, Egypt, Greek, Rome, Babylon, wherever. They were worshipped physically and they had statues made to them and they were sacrifice was given to them you know they literally killed people uh in order to appease the gods whereas jesus asked you to uh let him live through you so that you may live eternally because if you change and renew your mindset enough to where you're no longer abiding by the egotistical sense of physical carnal nature you are then able to eternally live because you never die because once you leave the physical body you can just go to the heavenly state because you've been living in a heavenly state within yourself while you've been on this earthly plane so it's very different whereas Mm -hmm. they are teaching enlightening and how to have a better life now like astrologers will teach you to avoid certain things in certain months you know because mercury retrogrades coming and that's going to happen whereas jesus is saying overcome your uh, shortcomings. Don't avoid them. Don't pretend they don't exist. No, look them head on and face them and become better by acknowledging your wrongdoing and to not continue doing those wrong things. Excellent. Uh, I have a couple more questions for you. One is, uh, was Jesus in physical form when he was in America or is it uh, after the fact or was the kingdom set up by Jesus to come into America and for like what reason really? So I don't know uh, if it was actually America that, uh, so again, you know, we don't know where Jerusalem was uh, at the time where Jesus is actually from could have been America, you know, could be Russia. Like I said earlier, could have been anywhere really. Um, So the the one world uh type of millennial kingdom it would have been everywhere it wouldn't have been just america okay Okay. yeah so i don't know if he was physically here that's the thing uh that so you got preterists believe that uh for the most part they believe that the millennial kingdom is currently going on and has been going on since jesus died and that he's been ruling from a, a heavenly throne which I believe to a degree there's a point with that, but I don't believe we're in the millennial right now. Like I said, I believe that the adversary, like they live, if you take they live as some kind of historical uh, thing, that there's another species living amongst us that look and appear to be us but aren't. And if all of a sudden we just had that veil lifted where we could see what they were, well, then that could explain the Christian crusades and the Uh, those types of events where people were killing in the name of Christ, killing these uh, demonic beings that were pretending to be 
human. And if all of those adversaries were then all these rulers that are causing war and famine right now, you know, really manipulating war and famine and pestilence on the earth right now in this time. I mean, it's really hectic at the moment, but so if you, if they were all bound up and humanity was left to its own devices, you know, that would be Christ reigning over earth physically to me because we are all the body of Christ. So as long as the adversary isn't here, then we wouldn't be deceived into doing these hurtful things. So the evil in the world is due to the fact that the millennial kingdom is over and the demons are here. Uh, Yeah. So I think that uh, it's the adversary. Yeah. Is misleading people. And we, we have the capacity to be both good and evil because we are the offspring of the fallen and humanity. Like we're all, we possess all these different potentials. So are are we going, are we in revelation now or is this whole reset thing a, a like a fake apocalypse? So it's a fake apocalypse, but it is the end of revelation. So it's like revelation 20 uh, talks about that's when Satan will be loose from the pit. So it is a fake apocalypse, but it brings on the great white throne judgment. It, it's what brings, it's the final pieces of it. And I think that's what agenda 2030 is kind of uh, leading towards that. It's that may be the splitting point of transhumanism versus uh, new Jerusalem, mm. you know, new heaven on earth. I think that's the dividing point. So do, do you think there is awakening happening or no? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's, God's calling back all of his creation. I mean, my life is, is very symbolic uh, of many different things. Um, I mean, I've been through a lot, but I've really changed myself in so many, so many ways. And when I communicate with people, you know, doing this podcast, so many different people have so many similar stories of changing their lives, reforming themselves, speaking their truth, and uh, having so many different things happening and changing them in a way that when i read paul's writings in the new testament i'm like yeah that's that's what's happening to me and that's what was happening back then to paul's and i see that happening on a a large scale around the world at this time so i think god is really calling to his children which we are all his children and those who are uh believing and trusting in men they are being misled and they are wearing masks and getting things injected into their bodies and they are saying that others are stupid and bad for not listening to men but those who are listening to god within them are like well i don't necessarily need any of that stuff because god created me perfectly to be able to handle things and uh, that's exactly what we're designed to do. Uh, and that's exactly what our bodies do for us. So there is this point of, do I trust myself, which is the Christ within you? Or do I trust others who are telling me this uh, information that I can't actually verify that is called science? Very good. Um so we got about 10 minutes left. I want to try to slide this last one in real quick. And 
because I, I, I battled back and forth with this one too. And that is Egypt and America. Are they parallel? Did they exist at the same time? Did one beget the other? Is there beget, then beget, then beget again? Is there three different in, in, uh, Three different uh, times where it went back and forth, or uh, what's? How do you feel about that? What's your opinion? Well, there's a lot of weird stuff with this. <laughs> uh, so I think that um, that America, uh, North and South America, were the origins, and that it was then copied to a sense. You know, in the fractal nature, you know, it started off the the spiral point. The centralized point would have been somewhere in america and then it would have spiraled off and when you get back around to the same spot on the spiral you know it's the same thing happening on a larger scale so that europe as we know the old world i think that's the copied world you know europe middle east asia that's mm -hmm. the copy of north and south america and then north and south america were destroyed in the 1800s or before that in the 1500s whenever it really uh because when I do want to say that when we talk about the 1800s being the destruction, I think that there was something that happened prior to that, that happened in like the 1500s, where there was a larger sun, or maybe 1600s, somewhere around there, that there was a larger sun going around the outer ring, and that it exploded to some degree. And there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on with that, that's called the sevenfold sun, which is also biblical prophecy. And there's also a sighting of the sevenfold sun in 1661. And there's also uh, crop circles that uh, depict a sevenfold sun. A lot of weird stuff with that. But anyway, uh, so I think that there was some kind of destruction in the Americas that killed off the giants, that uh, somehow oxygen really left this place. And with that, maybe it was burned up. Maybe it just escaped when the firmament was opened, whatever it actually was. All the larger things died off. And that's when we had the Europeans start coming around. That's when the Enlightenment era begins. That's when the Europeans start traveling all over the place. And uh, that's when we bring the quote unquote new world, but it's, the new world, I think, is built on top of the old world, that it's mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. like when we talk about new London, I think it's probably built on top of the original London, uh, all these different things. New York is built on top of old York. And what we have in Europe was a copy of the original, which was here that for whatever reason, they had to leave here, go back over there. And then they came back over here once it was safe to do so. So I think that there's, like you said, there's multiple, like moving from here to there to back. And now they're telling us when they move back that we're copying names from where we move from. But that was already a copy of what was once here. And then they just built on top of these things here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think um, America, North, or North and South America were Atlantis. Then after the fall of Atlantis, they moved into Egypt and uh, the Middle East, and then uh, since have come back and refound America again, and it was back and forth like that, and and that's kind of where we get these different ideas, and maybe even the parallels. Maybe they 
both existed for a short time at the same period because there was a migration process happening from from this continent to the other continents. Yeah, so, I completely agree. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, well, let's uh, wrap it up here. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today, Emmanuel. I appreciate your time. And uh, this is always a fun conversation. Um, tell the good people where they can find you at and what you got going on, man. All right. Well, th- yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a while since uh, you and I have gotten together, so I enjoy it. Yeah. And shout out to Romy. Hope that you're uh, all better, my friend. Yeah. Uh, you can all find me at Godcast, the Goodness Over Darkness podcast. It's uh, audio is on any audio platform. On YouTube, I have Goodness Over Darkness. You can uh, find my eight-part series of Christ Millennial Kingdom on there. You can find Good the two-part. You can find the two-part series of the Biblical Apocalypse on there you can find a three-part series on the book of enoch on there they all have their own playlist as well as the video versions of all my uh podcast episodes are on there and i do different things like the human race series which is a once a month uh kind of uh round table discussion as andy rouse and i we also have worship and storm we haven't done that in a little while and it'll probably still be a little bit more until we're able to get that up again but they're all on there as well so there's a lot of good stuff on there. And my website, emmanuelkingman.com. That's I-M-M-A-N-U-E-L kingman.com. And you can find a lot of good stuff on there as well. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate your time. It was a great conversation. And uh, for the fire tribe out there, wake the fuck up. Energy cannot